Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Run the Table podcast. It is Monday, September 12th, and that means we have finally had our first weekend with the NFL back in our lives. I am Tommy Garrett, Senior Fantasy Analyst here at Pro Football Network. Joining me this week, we got a jam-packed episode. Uh, Joining me, we got two guests today, both fantasy analysts here at Pro Football Network. A voice, a little blast from the past, callback, he making his return Jason Katz. You can find him over at Jason Katz 13 over on Twitter. I'm sure he's going to have plenty of opinions because he's never short of those. And then also joining us today is going to be Ian Warden. Find him over on NFL Film Study on Twitter himself, too. What we're going to do today, we're going to talk a little bit about some takeaways we had from the weekend, but not dive too much into because we have a lot of things we want to cover. We also have some underdog plays for tonight's game. If you guys did not see the the information, PFN has partnered with Underdog for the uh, for the uh, 2022 season. We also have some uh, some betting plays going there as well in a different section. Then we also have some waiver wire, as that will be one of the big talking points this week because there is a lot of information to go over. A lot of things we thought we were going to happen that maybe didn't, and some potential opportunities to uh, to increase the the chance of those rosters making it to the playoffs, but and that's enough from just me. Let's welcome in both of our guests this weekend. Uh, Jason, Ian, how are you guys doing? How did you enjoy the weekend? Do you have any takeaways? How's your fans teams to kind of give a little word vomit here? How are you guys, how are you guys feeling? You know, Tommy, Jason, it's great to be here. It was a great first weekend of, of football, you know, mixed bag, right? So we hit on more bets than what we didn't. So that's a good thing. A uh, fantasy. Yeah, it's a win, right? Sometimes week one just kind of happens like that. Fantasy-wise, I'm kicking Tommy's butt entering Monday Night Football, so obviously things are good over here in the fantasy spectrum. I'm sorry to say it, my friend, but I'm happy to report that I am leading. Not going to get too confident because I know what you've got up next tonight waiting for me with Russell Wilson, but so far, so good. You know what's funny? I actually had not even checked my scores from this weekend. (laughs) <laughs> Little, we've That's been busy enough <laughs> and everything else. Like I actually had not even looked at my scores because like, I don't want to come down yet off the cloud of having football back. But thank you for that quick little slap of reality with the backhand right there. Cats, how about yourself, man? How how'd you enjoy the weekend having football back? I think a mixed bag was a great description from Ian there. Uh, when I look over at my fantasy matchups, um, you know, my team, if you look on Yahoo and you have your main page, your team's on the left and your opponents are on the right. And when you see a sea of red on the left and then a sea of green on the right, mm. you know, things just really haven't necessarily gone your way. Uh, only one of my opponents underscored his projections. So basically, I kind of ran into it everywhere and my team's underperformed a bit. It's one week. 
I'm not overly concerned, but looking like not the start I was hoping for on the fantasy front and from a betting side, took uh, four or five of some of the most brutal losses I've had in a long time. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not here to complain about any losses, but uh, still managed to finish 500 on the week, uh, slightly down due to Viggs. Uh, I'll take that given what happened, but I mean, it could have been a big week, big week and I, I think we're going to do much better going forward. I can only hope so, because yeah, looking at those scores, Ian, uh, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a bad one between me and you and the cats. I'm also with you. Betting was kind of up or down. Underdog was they they got me a little bit this week. It's, that's okay. We're gonna we're gonna get them back this one. We're not gonna be down for the count for too long. Um, I think honestly, well, we're gonna start some things off. Let's kind of take a little bit of a recap. Just some of the some of our just thousand feet look. Let's not dive in too far into the into the micro details. I think I'll start some things off here. Uh, one of the things for me, if you took risks during your draft, it might have worked out. The guys that we kept seeing sliding during drafts, Saquon Barkley, Michael Thomas, especially two guys who we think could be incredible values that worked out, looking like it might have worked out. Saquon Barkley, uh, 33.4 PPR points, sitting currently as the RB1 heading into Monday Night Football tonight, nine, 194 total yards, 164 on the ground, seven targets. Saquon Barkley got the juice back, folks. He can hit the edge. He's explosive. He looks like the old Saquon Barkley. I can only hope we get this for the rest of the season. But right now, he looks like the guy we saw in those first couple years in the NFL. Incredible value if you got him to this in the second round. Michael Thomas, another guy. Kind of a Michael Thomas-esque stat line. A ton of targets. Not the great efficiency. But all of a sudden, he winds up in the end zone twice and ends up having a good game. The biggest thing for him, he avoided the pup list. And we get him back. And then Chris Godwin, yes, he ended up suffering a hamstring injury, which we'll have to monitor throughout the rest of the year. But at least he was back out there. They were pretty easy, wanting and keen to use him early on. From that little bubble screen to begin the game, I was like, oh, okay. I did not see that one coming. But I think that's going to be one of my first things for me. Is if you took a risk on draft day, I think it might have worked out. Ian, do you have like a, an initial takeaway? Yeah, just a couple of quick ones. You know, first, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Got involved in the, in the receiving game. Three targets, two, uh, three catches, two touchdowns. Huge. Came up huge for them. Only seven rush attempts for 42 yards. Was super interested to find that the case. I'm interested to see if he can continue, continue to dominate uh, on those receiving opportunities, even if he doesn't get that many. Super interesting offense from the Chiefs overall. Also, look at Kandarius Tony. Really interesting game plan from the Giants here. Wandale Robinson got knocked out early. Kadarius Tony, I was like, okay, great. He's just going to slide in. This is their guy. This is his moment. He's played seven snaps. Shocking to see that. Tony, guy with wide receiver one potential. He just does not seem like he's going to be the guy in the with the Giants, especially after trade rumors over this past offseason. Makes you wonder why they didn't play him a little bit more after they were so vehemently uh, saying that he was going to be part of their plans. Clearly, that wasn't the case in week one. Other guy I'm looking at for uh, on the positive side of things, I'm on Ross St. Brown. I was fading him a little bit entering week one. I wish I wouldn't have just in the sense of his weekly target share over his last seven games has been just under 33%. That continued in week one at 32.4%. He's a big part of this offense, even with DJ Chark. I thought that might drop a little bit. It didn't. So keep buying St. Brown. Jared Goff loves him. I was a little bit wrong on that. I'm happy to see that, though, because, of course, we love the one of the gods of football. I think it made a ton of sense, though, um, being a little cautious with Amon Ross St. Brown just because we know the the situation when he, you know, had that surge they had towards the end of last year where guys were out. So I think it made a little sense to be cautious in week one. But like you said, it's 
it seems like we've got Amon Ross St. Brown locked in for the rest of the year, which personally I love. I like seeing good players play good football and get opportunities. So I think this is a great one for me. Cats, what were your kind of what was your big takeaway from this week? Because I know the wide receivers, one of the big storylines of the draft, and it kind of seems like the wide receivers once again are gonna dominate the new the news waves of fans football this year. Uh, you just said it. Uh, good players playing good football, and that's what we got from the wide receivers. The top five wide receivers uh, that I think you and I had, I think we agreed uh, exactly on the top five, which was Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, and Devontae Adams. Yep. And after week one, Jefferson's the wide receiver one, Cup's the wide receiver two, Devontae's the wide receiver three, Chase is the wide receiver four, and Diggs is the wide receiver six. So we got uh, all of those top five guys are in the top six and it's it's uh, funny because the the one guy who Stop cracked that top six, yeah, but the one guy who cracked that top six, who, who who pushed one of them out of there was our guy, our number one guy, Michael Pittman, coming in with twenty two point six PPR fantasy points in week one, looking like he is on par with those other guys, or at least close yeah. to it. Just a true alpha. It is a great week one for the elite wide receivers. Uh, not so great a week one for a guy that we hoped was going to ascend toward the elite wide receivers, Mike Williams. Uh, I don't know what happened there. It was a very strange game for the Chargers. I mean, they kind of controlled it throughout, and they obviously they beat the Raiders. But uh, Mike Williams, despite leading uh, all receivers on the Chargers in snaps and routes run, commanded just four targets. Uh, I want to be concerned, but at the same time, nobody on the team had more than four targets, which is just crazy to think about and this is in a game where Keenan Allen left in the first half so I'm not sure what to make of that they play this Thursday night on a short week against the Chiefs and what could be a shootout hoping we get a better game from Mike Williams going forward yeah uh I'm kind of with you we hope for better for Mike Williams loved obviously Michael Pittman Jr we love seeing that I'm only hoping for later on tonight on Monday Night Football we can see Cortland Sutton jump up there and as well we were all very high on him so hopefully we can see him kind of move up there. I think the other kind of quick takeaways, James Robinson, he's going to be a problem if you got Travis Etienne. That dude ain't going away anytime soon. RB11 on the week. Also, if you bought low on Cordero Patterson after his blow-up last year, starting to look like you probably got a good value. 19.1 PPR points, 22 carries, a buck 20 with one touchdown, three receptions also. I think what's amazing to me about this one, only played on 49 of 75 snaps which means he managed a 51% touch rate on snaps played. That's unfathomably high. Uh, we'll see if that keeps going, but right now it's all eyes are on Cordero Patterson down there in Atlanta, and hopefully uh, Kyle Pitts can join him as well. The biggest storyline, obviously, I still want to make sure we hit on it, Dak Prescott out for what they're calling six to eight weeks, needing thumb surgery for a fracture that was between like the base of the thumb and like the first joint. So fractured right there. He's out for some time. Cooper Rush will be taking over for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think we need to go into this one too much because, quite frankly, everyone is going to drop in value. The matchups coming up are, I don't want to say favorable, but I don't think the schedule is also awful. So they actually did kind of luck out with upcoming games against the uh, the Bengals who did lose to the Steelers in overtime. Then you get the Giants, Washington, uh, the Rams, Eagles, Detroit and then the Bears before the the uh, Cowboys can try to get to their bye week in week nine. If they can go 500 during this time, I think they will be ecstatic at that point. If fantasy managers are getting 75% value of their players, I think they'd also be ecstatic at this point because we saw how much they kind of dropped off when Dak suffered his ankle injury back in 2000. 
going back and forth between like Ben DiNucci, you know, uh, Garrett Gilbert, Andy Dalton at one point. I don't know if it'll be quite as bad um, because they don't have as many weapons this year, but I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you guys are probably feeling the same way here. Like we're pretty much going to be down on all the Cowboys from this point forward until Dak Prescott comes back. I think this is just an unmitigated disaster. Uh, Cooper Rush is one of the That was literally the wording you used last night. It was like unfathomably yes. bad. I mean, I was already worried about this team based upon what I saw last night with Dak Prescott out there. The reality is, and we saw it similar, similarly with the Packers, there comes a point where you can't just trust these high-end quarterbacks to produce with nothing around them. And the reality is, as much as we may have been in on C.D. Lamb this year, it was still a projection. We had never seen him be that guy. We were projecting him to be that guy, to take that next step forward. Uh, will that happen? I mean, it certainly won't now with Cooper Rush at quarterback. Could it still? Of course it could still. But regardless, Lamb is out there with Noah Brown and UDFA Dennis Houston out there. I, I mean, what happened to Jalen Tolbert? How is he unable to even get on this field? I, I mean, the Cowboys can't be putting out this receiving core and expect Dak Prescott to, to succeed. And now this receiving core is now expected to succeed with Cooper Rush, it's just not going to happen. I know the schedule is favorable, but I, I'd be shocked if the Cowboys won more than two games until Dak came back. Oh, that'd be about worst-case scenario for a Dallas Cowboys team who really had aspirations on trying to win this division. I know for me, I actually took the Eagles in the offseason. Like I said, if you were back in the Dallas Cowboys or if you're just a Cowboys fan, this one hurts. Even worse, if you are a fan of the Dallas Cowboys and Texas Longhorns, uh, you are really probably having a rough Monday if you're listening to this one right now. Uh, but we do have another game tonight. Week one is not officially wrapped up and in the books as Russell Wilson heads back home to Seattle after being traded in the offseason to take on the Seattle Seahawks in a game that I know we're all kind of eagerly anticipating. Denver is a six-and-a-half-point favorite, 43-and-a-half point on the uh, over-under. Uh, Ian, I'd like to kind of get your, your thoughts on this one first. How are you kind of feeling with Monday Night Football? What are you kind of looking at in terms of some of your, your favorite bets with one more game to go here in week one? Yeah, I mean, look, sometimes week one, some weird stuff happens. And we saw that throughout Sunday. The the Bengals and Steelers was just an insane who wants to lose this game more type of affair. I'm not really expecting that with this Monday night game. I think the world is all expecting Denver to win and cover comfortably. 90% of bets are coming in on Denver, minus six and a half. Um, I'm going to play that. I, that's that's my look at this game. I don't love giving that many points to a road team, especially with an energy-filled stadium. Uh, but at the end of the day, Denver's a really good team. Like This is a, a quality Super Bowl contender. I believe in them. I think they're going to come out and make a statement. Uh, I think they're going to have a lot of balance. The defense is going to be tough. So I like Denver minus six and a half. The over under the total here is 43 and a half. I like the under. I just don't think Geno Smith is going to be that guy. We saw it throughout the preseason. He played relatively well. They still couldn't get the ball into scoring positions because of other foundational issues on that team. Defensively, who are the playmakers uh, that are going to step up there to force turnovers to help that offense? I don't really see it for Seattle. So Denver six and a half. And the over under is my big play there. Yeah, I like that one a lot. I think it's, it just comes down to the confidence of Seattle. I mean, if you think Seattle will be able to move the ball against arguably, if not for the Bills, the best secondary in the NFL with Justin Simmons, Pat Sertan has been shut down all offseason. Like, you've been going against Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton week in and week out and facing Russell Wilson every week. Like, the whole phrase, iron sharpens iron. Like, Patrick Sertan was already a great cornerback at Alabama. He's been only better. Like, 
do not be surprised if all of a sudden at the end of this year, everyone has him inside their top five corners. I think he could shut down some of these guys this week. But yeah, it's all going to come down to can Geno Smith connect with Lockett and DK Metcalf? We know they can take over a game, but we'll have to find out. All Obviously, all eyes are on Russell Wilson, but the running game has always been a, a question mark of how this split is going to be. It looked like it was Javante Williams to run the entire show. Then they bring in Melvin Gordon. We see Melvin Gordon has not been getting a lot of love, both in fantasy projections, outlooks, and also in the betting world. I'm kind of seeing a little bit of a trend here. Are you seeing the same thing? I am. I, I still think we need to look at what has happened. Sometimes history just tells us what's going to happen in the future. Running games always benefit from Russell Wilson. We saw that with Seattle. It's going to continue to happen this year. Melvin Gordon, 38 and a half rushing yards is the lines that I've seen at, at FanDuel. I love that line. I'm going to go ahead and take that over 38 and a half. With any time scorer for Melvin Gordon, who again was a red zone just monster last year, plus 160 for any time score. So I definitely want to jump on both of those for him. Yeah, I absolutely love that one. Um, how do you actually like the uh, the wide receivers in this game too? Because I know you were kind of all in with a lot of us here on Cortland Sutton. It seems like you're kind of liking him to get that momentum started here in week one. It makes a lot of sense, and it's the right value to play Cortland Sutton. So looking at the receiving props to who's going to leave this game in receiving yards, Cortland Sutton is plus 250 which I think it is an insane amount. Like that's, it's that. mind blowing to me. It's not about the receiving talent. DK Metcalf, fantastic. Tyler Lockett, one of my favorite prospects from the last decade as a receiver, loved him. He's been great in the NFL, but he doesn't have Russell. Those guys don't have Russell, Russell Wilson anymore. Jerry Judy hasn't been the favor, favorite of Russell Wilson throughout the off season. It's been Cortland Sutton. This is the no brainer bet for me. Plus two fifty. You got to jump on that one. I think that's probably my favorite one of these two. Uh, and I'm seeing you also have Geno Smith down for no to a, I guess it is the less than the half interception. They always kind of set him as you got to take the over under on that one. No interception sitting there plus at plus one eighteen. Kind of expecting him to be a little more um, conservative approach. I'm guessing. Yeah, he you know he fits what Pete Carroll and company want to do with this offense. He again he played well during the preseason. He was not the issue during the preseason. I know. Back in his Jets days, he was a little bit wild with the ball. He was a little bit crazy. At this point, he's a backup level player. He's going to try to take care of the ball. If he throws an interception, okay, I can justify it a little bit because we had such great value to play the no interceptions. But I've been encouraged by his play. I think he's going to play it safe. He's got some decent receivers. He's going to maximize those. It's going to be a lot of short passes to help protect the quarterback. And when you look at that risk, I think it's going to be pretty fair to say more likely than not, I think he has no interceptions than more interception, more than whatever, 0.5 interceptions. Yeah, it all depends on how many times he wants to test somebody deep in a contested catch and say, hey, look, I think my guys are better than your corners, and all of a sudden ends up with interception. Watch Jamal Adams get an interception this game, uh, which I think that'd be one of the defensive ones to kind of keep an eye on because he's probably going to get odds because you know he's always going to be in the box. So that'd be one, like, if you're the wild card, I think, for me, obviously I wouldn't. Don't do a lot. Just don't sprinkle it too much. Uh, cats, do you have any like any leans? Like, nothing like nothing. Don't write anything in stone, obviously. But do you have anything you're kind of leaning towards right now or are you kind of just staying away and just waiting until we get an entire week of games before you put anything out there? Yeah, right now I don't have any official plays, but it is Monday Night Football, and I know that this is like your the, the last opportunity to get back anything you might have lost over the weekend, and you're looking for, some, looking for some action. I've got two leans tonight. I don't know if I'm going to bet either of these specifically, but this is what I like more than anything else I've seen in this game. Uh, I'm with Ian on Melvin Gordon's rushing yards over. And the other play that I have, 
We're all three uh, on it. Yeah, I think we're all on that. I, the reason I like that is simply because it, it's the disparity between Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams in their in their projection is is twenty three yards, and I think that's too many. Even if we see Javante in like a sixty forty role, I think Melvin can Melvin is probably going to have eight to ten carries. He just needs to average about four yards per carry to get to about forty rush yards, which is all he needs to go over this number. So I like that, and we're all in agreement on that. And the other one I like is Noah Fant's receiving yards. Uh, I've seen the under at 26.5 at minus 110 on DraftKings. That's the best price I've seen in the preseason. And in training camp, we've seen Noah Fant kind of split that uh, that tight end job with Will Disley, who got a three-year extension in the offseason, which was a surprise to everyone. And it's kind of just follow the money. I don't think Will Disley is going to just play a backup role to Noah Fant, who has never really broken out at the NFL level to the extent that we kind of expected him to. At 26.5 receiving yards, it seems pretty high for a tight end who is at best the third target for Geno Smith. Uh, so I think that even if Noah Fan catches two or three passes, he could easily go into this number. So that's a lean that I have. Uh, wouldn't, put, wouldn't, wouldn't break the bank to bet it, but it's it's definitely something that I like tonight more than more than most other bets. And if you guys want to win a free $200 bet this NFL season, well, as a new DraftKings user, um, you can bet $5 and win a free $200 bet. All you have to do is head over to profootballnetwork.com and check out the latest betting promos to claim this offer and jump in on the fun. And while we're on the subject here, I want to tell you guys about the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season. It is underdog fantasy and their pick em game. Just look for your favorite or least favorite in some cases player stats and pick whether you think they'll end up a higher or lower total than that number in this week's game. And you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps. Pick between two to five players for your pick entry, get all your picks right and take home some cold hard cash. It's simple to get started. Just head over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Sign in with the promo code PFN. Remember that is promo code PFN. And Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That is Underdog Fantasy with the promo code PFN. Get in on the action today. If you're listening to that right now, you still got time to get in for Monday Night Football. Cats. Who are some guys you're liking tonight for if you're trying to put together some combos here for the underdog pickems? Who are some guys you're kind of looking at with some of these uh, some of these uh, projections they've put out? Yeah, I've got an underdog uh, picks article out on ProFootballNetwork.com, and I've got four Perfect. four picks that I like tonight. I'll go over all of them uh, right now. Uh, two of them we already discussed, and that's Noah Fant. Less than twenty five point five receiving yards uh, for the reasons I just discussed in in the previous section. Like Noah Fant to go under that number. And Melvin Gordon, more than 37.5 rushing yards. Again, same theory as before. We just went over it. Uh, we like Melvin Gordon tonight. The two other ones that I have, uh, Tyler Lockett, less than 10.55 fantasy points. Now, the reason I like this one is because Tyler Lockett had typically did not – he doesn't perform as well with Geno Smith as he does with Russell Wilson. Last year, I think he averaged about 11.6 PPR fantasy points per game with – uh, Geno Smith, an underdog uses half PPR scoring. So the way I see it is outside of an anomalous kind of splash play, Tyler Lockett probably needs to score a touchdown to uh, surpass 10.55 fantasy points. And I'm willing to bank on him just not getting in the end zone tonight. And if he doesn't, even if he goes something like like five for 70, like that's still below this number. 
So I'm I'm taking Tyler Lockett, score less than 10.55 fantasy points. And the last one I've got is Russell Wilson, more than 14.5 rushing yards. Uh, this Russell Wilson number, it's it seems low, and that's because I kind of think it is. I know last season he averaged a career-low 13.1 rushing yards per game. He was also banged up, dealt with the finger injury. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a really good offense, and he may have been just kind of done with being on the Seahawks, kind of may have just been over it. Every other year of his career, Russ has averaged at least 16 rushing yards per game, most of them far more than that. Even last year's, even in last year, from a, from a, uh, a down year and from a rushing standpoint, Wilson reached 15 rushing yards in six out of 14 games. And one of the games he didn't get there, he it was the one he got he uh, hurt his finger in. So he was probably going to get there anyway. He was at 10 when he got hurt. So I'm, I'm banking on the on the Broncos, kind of letting Russ cook a little bit tonight. And all he needs is one one sneaky scramble, so he can he can hit this number on one play. So I like Russell Wilson to go more than 14.5 rushing yards tonight. You know what I got to say to that? Let's ride. I Let's ride. I had to do it. It was week one. I'm sorry. Screw it. I'll put the five dollars in the in the jar for for that my error my ways. Ian, do you have any other underdog picks you guys uh, you want to put together? I do have a couple. Yeah, those were awesome ones, and I'm gonna kind of piggyback a little bit on on those. Wilson more mm-hmm. than eighteen point eight five fantasy points tonight for a lot of the reasons that Cash just mentioned. I mean, yep. he's just too good of a stud. This is too good of a matchup. Who the heck plays cornerback for Seattle? I actually do know the answer to that, which I'm embarrassed to say. They're good young guys, but like they're young players. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to have to answer why I know that I've grinded, you know, Tariq Woolen film from, you know, that that were recorded on a a potato in the middle of of, of nowhere. But so I like Russell Wilson to take advantage of that matchup. I also like uh, Cortland Sutton over four and a half receptions. Again, it just goes back to what I talked about earlier. We're pumping up what Cortland Sutton's going to be doing this year. He's going to be a star. Already going to be betting that he's going to be leading this game with uh, receiving yards earlier. So now we're going to look at this with more than four and a half receptions for underdog. Just think it's too great of a play for us to pass that one up. I mean, that's the whole thing where you kind of do something like this and trying to put this whole thing together in this pick and contest. You got to put together a game narrative. What's a game script going to look like? And how could that kind of, how could you say that flowing out? Once you put that together, then you can kind of try to figure out which guy, which one of these players you do like. I'm with you guys on a lot of these. Sudden for me, more than four and a half receptions. I am going also uh, Melvin Gordon more than 37 and a half rushing yards. For me, I feel like the disparity is way too much around what he's being given credit for. In the 16 games last year between him when him and Javante Williams were on the field, Melvin Gordon averaged 57.4 yards. Like every report coming out of camp this year has said it's going to be, if not 50-50, 55-45, some of that range. It's just not going to be the 70-30, 80-20 people want it to be. And the other one for me is also, look, stick with Melvin Gordon. He just seems underpriced to a lot of us here in week one. I'm going to go more than his 9.5 receiving yards. If we're really just looking for one catch. Last year, he averaged 4.2 targets, just over uh, 1.75 receptions per game, and 13.1 yards in those 16 games with Javante on the field. Those are just a few of mine. Like I said, you guys can package these up, bundle them up together, whether you want to have a, you want to go two picks for a, for a 3x multiplier, go all the way up for the the 20-time prize at the very end. Package all these things up, and just remember, Ed is at underdog.com, under, sorry, underdogfantasy.com, or just download the app, and then use promo code PFN, and they will match your first deposit up to $100. Now, it pretty much clears everything here in week one. Now let's look ahead to week two, because the machine that is the NFL never stops, no matter how many times it wants to run us over. Um, 
looking at some waiver wire picks because we'll be needing to put those claims in here pretty soon with the waiver wires running on Tuesday. Um, we're going to kind of go in order here. I know, Ian, we kind of got to pick who we want and we thought to go first. It seems like right now you probably got the guy who is going to be the number one waiver claim this week, Jeff Wilson, running back out of San Francisco. Talk to us about Jeff Wilson and why he's one of the top waiver wire claims for week two in fantasy. Absolutely. So obviously, I mean, we all saw what happened with Elijah Mitchell. We knew he was going to be an injury risk to start. Unfortunately, you know, it takes a hit to the knee, gets injured. Who knows what's going to happen with that situation. But anytime that you can get the star running back from the 49ers, you want to get him on your roster. So he is in uh, owned in only 3.5% of leagues as the, the main backup. He's the logical guy to step in. Third round draft pick, uh, uh, Tyrion uh, Davis-Price, inactive for this game. We actually saw the undrafted guy, Jordan Mason, active. And I know that they could go trade for, for Trey Sermon. I know that he's the favorite there. They should totally make that move. However, if they don't, Jordan Mason is going to be the, the primary backup here. It's just I think this, this running game is really going to be focused on the things that we know. It's going to be Trey Lance continuing to run the ball. Me, Debo Samuel, we saw him out of the backfield quite a bit. And then the main, the primary running back is going to get still a significant amount of touches that are going to be able to produce for your fantasy team. Go grab him. He was a leading rusher amongst the running backs this past week, even in a total slop fest in Chicago. He's going to lose some carries. Just accept that. He is a pass-catching presence as well, especially for Trey Lance as he continues to settle in. I think he has sky-high potential uh, to be a really solid pickup, uh, especially after week one. If you would have known what you know now, he would have been drafted probably where Elijah Mitchell was even just a week ago. How long were you holding on to that whole uh, trading for Trey Sermon comment? Because I feel like I, you, you were sitting on that one. Listen, I hated the draft pick the moment that they made it. N- nothing against Trey Sermon. It just never made sense from the start. So why not just continue the joke? And, of course, seeing TDP inactive was just – it almost gave me some PTSD from last year. So oh, just I can never let it go. The 49ers, their running backs on draft. Like, we were surprised already when TDP went where he did. I mean, and yeah, it's just – it's just not great what's going on down there. Cats, speaking of another running back, I think you've got another one that fantasy man should be taking a look at on the waiver wire this week. Who you got for me? Um, this is Sexy Rex Burkhead. Sexy Rex is back in our lives. And I mean, wow. this. Are we there already in week, just after week one? Are we, we really are. at Rex Burkhead level? Okay. I mean, I, I don't know for sure if Rex Burkett is the oldest fantasy relevant running back in the NFL, but he really might be at 32 years old. And it, it's just, it's another cautionary tale uh, with day three running backs. I mean, Damian Pierce, at least he was technically named the starter, but you look at other guys like Zamir White and Tyler Algier, these guys just didn't even play at all. So it just, it, it's a reminder that even when these guys are getting hyped up and talked up, it, it rarely plays out that way when they're day three running backs. And we saw that with Damian Pierce, just basically playing the backup role to Rex Burkhead. Burkhead had a 72% snap share. He had 19 touches. And most uh, importantly, he saw eight targets in a positive to neutral game script. I mean, the, the Texans were never trailing by any significant amount. I don't know if they were trailing at all, actually, in this game. And Rex Burkhead saw eight targets. He outcarried Damian Pierce 14 to 11. I mean, he was one of the most... Yeah. Uh, heaviest used running backs in the NFL in week one, Rex Burkhead. It, it doesn't matter. You don't have to like him. It doesn't, it, it doesn't have to be sexy, even if he is sexy Rexy, but you got to pick up Rex Burkhead this week. I mean, you make a good point. I think it's just a lot of people like the roller coaster of emotions. If you drafted Damian Pierce, 
he looked like, okay, well, he's gonna, is he going to win the job? Why didn't he get used of Florida? Then he became a darling of everyone during the draft. And all of a sudden, oh, wait, he's won the job, apparently, getting the starter treatment down there in, in Houston. Only to week one's watch Rex Burkhead just say, no, I feel like I'm going to take this team over. It's just annoying. I think better days are down the road for Damian Pierce. But yeah, right now, Rex Burkhead is absolutely the RB1 on that team. He's kind of a wonder if a veteran coach just wanted a veteran player out there when, when things mattered. But we'll see what Lovey Smith does later on down the road. I think a surprising one for all of us was what Curtis Samuel did this weekend, hauling in eight receptions, um, hauling in eight receptions uh, for 55 yards and a touchdown. It's we didn't know what we were going to get. He was one of the he was just an enigma wrapped up in a question, surrounded by mystery. Because look, look at last year and lost the entire season because of the groin injury. Only played like a couple snaps here and there, so it wasn't a total waste. But from a fantasy standpoint, I'm sure what his expectations were. And Washington, who had just brought him in from Carolina on a decently sized contract. I'm sure most sides did not expect things to go the way they did. But it's hard to deny a guy going out there and getting 11 targets in game one and kind of looking like the old Curtis Samuel. I think the only thing that we didn't see as much of, but just from an efficiency standpoint, the dude still had four carries and got a touchdown on the ground running the ball. Like that's what we saw his breakout season in 2020. Really consisting of was a lot of use on the ground. Had 200 yards and two touchdowns, which we thought was good until Debo Samuel showed up last year and said, hey, hold my beer. I'm going to show you what it really means like to be a wide back, which let's call it right now. Debo Samuel is a wide back. Like let's, let's just be, It is what it is at this point. Um, but honestly, Curtis Samuel out there, he's rostered in only 8.4% of leagues. That pecking order, we'll see what happens. It's very much, it still feels like Terry McCord, number one. But Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson, are both fighting out. Dotson looked really good in his first game. He is rostered in 56.2%. So he's out there in less than half a league. So if you can't get Jahan Dotson, take a look on Curtis Samuel. If you have enough bench spots to take a look on someone who might be the guy we all kind of thought he was later on. Speaking of his former team, the Carolina Panthers, Ian, you've got another wide receiver here to talk about in a potential wave wire edition this week. I sure do. It wasn't necessarily the Baker Mayfield revenge game against the Cleveland Browns, but Baker Mayfield did boost Robbie Anderson's stock to the point where I would certainly be considering him. We already know what Robbie Anderson is, and I love Robbie Anderson. He's one of my favorite, like, not great players in the league because he's a fun skill set. He's a variance player, right? So he's a guy that he's going to get exactly what he did this past Sunday. Didn't have anything noteworthy about his game until, boom, 75-yard touchdown. That changed everything. Targeted eight times, which is solid, uh, in a very conservative game plan for Carolina. They couldn't open things up because their offensive line was struggling against a really good Browns defense. Then all of a sudden, 75-yard score, five catches for 102 yards and a touchdown makes it look very, very nice. Overall, impressed with his performance. If you need a guy who could potentially step in with that type of performance and you can risk not having that type of performance, Go ahead and take a stab on Robbie Anderson, especially if you suffer a wide receiver injury, T. Higgins, someone like that, and he's out for an extended period of time. At least give him a consideration. Yeah. Cats, I think you've got another wide receiver here. Looks like we've been wondering who the wide receiver two was going to be in Baltimore. Devin Duvernay kind of stepped up pretty well this weekend with four catches, 52 yards, but it's really the two touchdowns that have fantasy managers excited. Should they be rushing out the waiver wire to grab Devin Duvernay this week? I think they're going to because Duvernay was kind of a popular uh, predict, prediction of who would take over that wide receiver two role. But I would caution against it. He only had a 52% snap share. 
and he only had four catches. If he didn't score, no one would really care. He ran just 18 routes. Uh, he essentially shared that role with Marcus Robinson. The only difference in their routes run was literally one. I mean, the same number of targets. The difference was that Duvernay happened to catch two touchdowns. If that doesn't happen, no one really talks about him. I think next week we, we could see him go back to having like two catches for like 30 yards, and and no one's really interested. I don't I don't see a scenario where you're comfortable starting him, so I would pass on picking up Duvernay this week. Yeah. Um, kind of looking at the rest of the list here, I know we've mentioned several running backs who are kind of looking at potential more value and more volume than expected. I think one for me is going to be Jamal Williams out there. He's only rostered in 35.3% of leagues. 28 yards and two touchdowns on 11 carries last week. But I think the the big thing about that is those two touchdowns both came on the one-yard line. So he's kind of just stealing carries away from DeAndre Swift. He will have a role on this team. Last year he had, um what was it, over 181 opportunities in games where DeAndre Swift was out, weeks 12 and 15, where he also played 18 carries and 74 yards, including nine games of double-digit carries. Jamal Williams is one of the sneakiest picks, again, for, you know, that 180 opportunity kind of range. Obviously, this is DeAndre Swift's world, and we're all just living in it. He should have had a bigger weekend than he did, if not for Jamal Williams. But as a way of our option on someone who will likely see some additional work down the road, I think Jamal Williams makes sense, as does another uh, AFC, I'm sorry, NFC North player, Khalil Herbert, carried the ball nine times, 45 yards, including the three-yard touchdown in the slop. He was one that got the touchdown not Dave Montgomery, although Montgomery did out-carry him 17-9. It was was Herbert who was more effective on the ground, 45 yards to Montgomery at 22. It's going to be messy. The team have said they want to use both running backs out there. We'll see how things go, but Khalil Herbert shined last year when he got an opportunity. I think he could get one again. Uh, Ian, I know you've got one more guy. Hit us real quick with your final waiver guy. We'll throw it to Cats for one more from you, bud. Yep, I'm going to keep it in the AFC and the NFC North with you. Romeo Dubs. I mean, Dobbs, this guy is, is was the talk of training We want to get Dubs out of Dobbs. We want to get, exactly. Way. He's going to help us get some Dubs. So he led all Green Bay receivers with t- five targets, caught four for 37 yards, nothing too special there, had a carry for 11 yards. It's either him or Christian Watson in this offense, right? And Watson had a terrible drop. It would have been a huge busted play for, for Green Bay. Had that drop caught two of four targets for only 34 yards, one carry for seven yards. But I like Dobbs just because he is the guy that continues to show up more and more. Watson had the injury. I think Dobbs is going to keep getting those opportunities as the season progresses. Sammy Watkins, we were hoping week one legend would come through. He busted, unfortunately. Let's move on to the rookies. Pick up one of these guys. Dobbs is owned in only 26% of leagues, so he is definitely available. Watson might be a little bit more dicey for you depending on your league setup. Leave it to Sammy Watkins to somehow disappoint us, even when the expectations were already low. Cads, give me your final one for uh, Waywire this week. Yeah, similar. My last two guys here are guys that I kind of don't really want, and that's Dontrell Hilliard here. Uh, 20 fantasy points, always going to draw attention, but he played on just 12 snaps. He just happened to catch two touchdowns. Yes, he's the primary passing down back, and he is probably Derrick Henry's primary handcuff, but I don't see Dontrell Hilliard having any standalone value. He is worth a pickup because he would have tremendous value if something happened to Derrick Henry, but I'm not rushing out to spend any significant fab on Dontrell Hilliard this week. Uh, a couple of the quick little names just trying to see if they're out there. Probably rostering a lot of leagues, but just worth looking at. Jarvis Landry, Brian Robinson, if he's out there, just go get B-Rob, stashing on your IR. He'll be back there eventually. Julio Jones looked good. Tyler Boyd, depending on what happens with uh, T. Higgins and his concussion. If James Robinson somehow slipped, it'd be worth a look out there. 
Jalen Warren, another name to consider, depending on what happens with Najee Harris. Kyle Phillips, uh, if you're in a deeper league, led the Tennessee Titans with nine targets going six of six. Had over a 42% target rate per route run. Good eye to keep an eye on there. Gerald Everett, look, tight ends were awful this week. Gives you a little bit of potential value. And then also Josh Palmer. In case we end up losing um, Keenan Allen for an extended period of time, it's worth taking a look at the Los Angeles Chargers patch catchers, not named Mike Williams. That's going to wrap it up for today's episode of the Run the Table podcast powered by Pro Football Network. If you enjoyed today's episode of the show, please feel free to leave a rating and a review, whether it's on Google Podcasts, iHeart, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your favorite uh, podcast on whatever platform it may be. Also, continue to stay up to date with the latest around the league by heading over to ProFootballNetwork.com, where you can find analysis covering not only fantasy football, but betting, breaking news around the league, college football, and the NFL draft. Get involved with the PFN community. PFN Pass gets you direct access to the Discord and unlocks exclusive contact from PFN Productions, such as the recent Browns documentary that was just released last week that Ryan O'Donnell and team absolutely crushed. We got weekly giveaways, weekly AMAs with the PFN staff, including lineups, waiver wire advice, and a Sunday morning start set, plus even more betting coverage during the week to help you fill up that bankroll for Sundays. It's never too early also to get started on your 2023 mock drafts by heading over to the PFN network.com forward slash mock draft. Jump on the PFN MDS. You can follow Jason over on Twitter at Jason Cat at Jason Cats 13. You can follow Ian at NFL Film Study and myself at Tommy Garrett PFN. Speaking for Jason, Ian, and uh, everyone else here at Pro Football Network, good luck tonight. And we'll see you guys on Wednesday for another episode of the show.